I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I think the way that I'm going to start out this episode of tuning in is probably going to be indicative of my feelings on Fresh Bones, but... Is my, it an apology? Because I deserve an apology. <laughs> uh, no, but I will give you an apology in a moment. My 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 question to you is, um, who bothers to put their milk in a pitcher? People who... No, they do this so that way they don't have to show brands, like because a milk carton has brand on it so it's can't, just generic can't they just do the thing like they do with beer where it's just a bottle that says beer like can't it just be milk well because milk doesn't come in bottles anymore oh. and milk never came in beer bottles and why would you put beer on a milk bottle why would you well, I, I put beer in my cereal sometimes Beerial? yeah so uh yeah fresh bones um i don't know i i think that <laughs> i'm very conflicted it's... about this episode Okay, let me put it this way. I thought it was going to be worse. I thought it was going to be what was the uh, Native American werewolf one Shapes, worse. yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's, yep. So Fresh Bones, it's better than Shapes. That's that's my review. I, I think that that's accurate. I think the show... I don't know. I don't know a lot about voodoo. I don't pretend to know a lot about voodoo. I also don't know a lot about Haiti. I, I don't know a lot about the zombie phenomenon. I don't know a lot about any of this. I feel like the writer of this episode perhaps knew more about these areas than the writer of Shapes knew about Native Americans. Mm. Uh, I don't know that that indicates that it's a better episode for that reason. I don't. I mean, I think the Haiti stuff in this episode is very, like, incidental and doesn't really matter. I also don't know to what degree the voodoo stuff in this episode is very important. I would say the voodoo stuff was a lot more subtle in a way than I expected it to be. All it is is, you know, the zombieism as a uh, function of certain kinds of poison, which is I uh, apparently a thing. Um, certainly there's some hallucinations, but they don't appear to be – I mean it was it was subtle enough that it didn't come off as offensively stereotypical, I guess. Sure. It just seems very – uh, the most that we see of any voodoo rituals is the white general dude at the end uh, doing something and being possessed by some kind of demon. That's about it. Well, I, I agree with you, and I definitely want to talk about the, the general in this episode because I found his character to be extremely problematic for a number of reasons. But primarily for me, Fresh Bones is very confusing. Be- it's confusing to talk about because I fundamentally do not know what was going on in this episode. I, f- I find mm. it very difficult to follow. You know, I have seen this episode a number of times. I have watched the X-Files. This is my third time watching the, well, my second time watching the X-Files in its entirety. And I think my, probably my third or fourth time watching the first like few seasons of the show. So, you know, I've seen this episode a lot, but I'm always struck by how, incomprehensible the plotting is in this episode i i fundamentally do not understand a lot of the actors in this episode in terms of like actors in terms of of plot not actors in terms of who was acting in the show and i don't really get a sense of what exactly the point of this episode is or what it was doing or what it was trying to do and well i guess my first question is what is this camp for are these people who are being deported are these people they're saying they're repatriating them to haiti are they people who were moving to the u.s but not able to get uh, immigration and are so being moved back home like what 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 is the function of these people in I, the I seem to recall that and I did not look this up so if I am wrong 
please write emails or leave comments or just don't do any of that. Uh, But I seem to recall that there was something going on in Haiti in the mid-90s that was bad. Yeah, I don't know if it was a hurricane. I don't know if it was some sort of military coup. I don't remember exactly what was going on. Um, you know, Haiti is obviously a troubled yeah, it place does... and, you know, usually has some sort of problems that necessitates help from the Red Cross and things like that. But it is the case that I think there was something going on in the mid 90s that that someone yeah. watching this episode in 1996 uh, or, or no, 1995 would have understood because Haiti was in the news. Yeah, that that was the implication there um, with this. And so. To go from that to, uh, you know, so, so so anyway, the point is this camp exists. The under the general's uh, command, it's a run maybe too strictly for what it should be. Um, he seems to feel that this is a very tense situation, and the first time they meet him, his description of the situation: Listen, I've got people who here who are soldiers. They're expected to act like prison guards. We're treating these people like prisoners when they are refugees in their way, and it's just a shitty, horrible situation either way. There's not enough resources, not enough manpower. You know, things are bad. The general belief is taking a very strong hand with uh, taking with these the people under his command and. Some of the soldiers seem to feel that he is going off into abuse, that they are beating prisoners, that they are – people have died under <laughs> – died when they shouldn't have. Conditions are bad. Uh, in order to stop these people – stop these soldiers from uh, reporting him basically, uh, this guy uses voodoo to get back at them, making it look like it's the prisoners who are de- – I mean that that was the – it it doesn't really make sense as a plan. Well, right. It doesn't true. really make sense as a plan. I don't know that that's necessarily the problem with the episode. I mean, I, I think it's a problem with the no. episode. But, I mean, I will ask you a, a question. Do you think this episode is trying to say something about American imperialism and failing? Oh, I... I, 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 I mean... I... I... I, I, I it, it wants to say something about American imperialism. I'm not quite sure it has the clarity of vision to make a coherent statement about it. Again, it makes it seem like, uh, 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 again, I appreciate that that there are very difficult, it is difficult to make decisions on how to do, I guess this whole thing would be clearer to me if I knew why these people were in the camp in the first place. If it was, uh, I, I, I don't know, especially, but especially given the political situation nowadays, it I do certainly have very strong sympathies for the refugees in the episode. I certainly ha- can get behind an episode that makes the point that refugees are mistreated by the government. Yeah, in this country. well, so so uh, uh, I guess it's time for education corner with Eric and Richard because. I don't know a lot about the the legal um, status of refugees. This is not an area that I I know a lot about, but I know a little bit about it. And as I understand it, this is something that usually happens with refugees that, you know, refugees that leave a country. And in this explanation, it does not necessarily matter why they leave. They are refugees. They are leaving a bad situation for uh, to to essentially not die. Uh, That is usually why mass numbers of refugees leave a country. Um, that they go to another country and the country accepts them, but they do not want to 
let them live in the actual country because they don't want to establish they don't want them to establish any sort of ties to the country they don't want them to establish legal residency so they leave them in camps essentially they leave them in refugee camps and this is why refugee camps exist and there are a number of refugee camps as i understand it in in um i forget the the country in africa but um i think it's it might be i don't know i don't want to say because i'll sound really uh I'll sound even more or less informed than I already am. But um, the the case is that there are many refugee camps around the world that have been in existence for a number of years, for decades or more, because of this situation. And so in this episode, I think that I'm okay with the refugee camp existing in America. That part doesn't seem like that much Mm -hmm. of a stretch to me. I don't know in general if this is something that happens in America very often. Um, we don't accept large numbers of refugees like this in general. And when we do accept refugees, we usually try to, I think, integrate them into American society. Now, you know, what, what's happening in Trump's America, who knows? But uh, we'll find out in five years when uh, Germany invades us and, and liberates us. But um, it is the case where I'm OK with hey, these refugees had to leave Haiti for a bad reason. Whatever that reason is, it doesn't really matter. It's a hurricane. Yeah. It's a military coup. It's cholera. Who You know, whatever. They they get accepted by America and they go, uh, then they're in this military base. And essentially what is happening is a a problem with the American military being put into a situation that they are not equipped to handle. I am okay with all of that. And I think that that's a good setup for an episode. My problem is the voodoo stuff. I think that, that you know, it's not enough yeah. to have... Um, it obviously wouldn't be enough for an X-Files episode to to make it a sober analysis of the refugee crisis. I don't know that that would be an episode of the X-Files as well-meaning as it was done would be interesting. So it probably does need some sort of su- supernatural element. But I don't know. The voodoo stuff just seems very half-assed to me. It's basically that voodoo exists, the Haitians have voodoo, and the general decides to steal voodoo to cover his ass from uh the crimes but, but, that he has committed well and, well i mean i just want to i, I want to hear your point but i also want to redirect you a little bit because there is that reveal towards the end of the episode that the general was stationed in haiti at some point and did know um this guy pierre bouvet before he he actually left haiti yeah and so then i get i there is that conversation with deeper throat where he basically suggests that the general's activities have been uh, at, if not quite sanctioned, they're going. They're letting him get away with whatever he wants to do because you know he's a general and he's had it hard in his, you know in his time or something. You know it doesn't really matter. He is he because the general has white privilege and it's Trump's America. He is allowed to do right. what he wants. Uh, so I guess then the implication is that in Haiti. He saw Bouvet doing voodoo stuff. Now he's in charge of this camp. Bouvet's in this camp, whether that was through this general's machinations or it just is just a coincidence. Either way, he's locked him up and is essentially torturing him until he gives him the secret of voodoo. And he's given them the secret of or he's uh, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you like that. That's the, I get to I, I that just, point I, of the episode I'm, and then it falls apart. I don't. Why doesn't he just shoot them? <laughs> right. Or like, I guess that well. I guess that what well, I guess what you're supposed to think is that the general, when he lived in Haiti, got involved in voodoo, and he is a believer and he is a practitioner of voodoo, and then it's not that he's really, I don't know, he's not doing anything to Bouvet at the camp because I don't know. There's like, I guess the only way I can really square this circle is perhaps this is some sort of religious problem, and they're like competing interpretations of the voodoo religion that Bouvet and the general have. 
I don't know. Like, and I think that that's a well, problem. I mean, is like gen- we're just spinning our wheels here because we're not given enough information in this episode or context to know what the hell is supposed to be happening. Well, yeah, because there is that one scene where he's talking to Bouvet's like, I want the secret or something like that, at, which is after at least two people have died through zombie voodoo means. Um, and yeah, you, I guess there's a sense of the general is using voodoo as a weapon where Bouvet would have it as a religion and certainly at the, you know, it's an abuse of that kind of thing. But this is... Uh, I don't know if they should have necessarily made this episode. I don't know if it's clearer or not, but I wish it were a better written version of it if they tried. Well, I I wonder why you say that, and I'm going to ask you because I think the next thing to talk about is this episode's treatment or interpretation of the voodoo religion. Now, you and I are not experts on voodoo, but I think that we can— make a we we can make a case for whether or not this is a stereotypical or offensive portrayal of voodoo i don't know how i feel about that i guess i just don't feel like it's fleshed out enough for me to even be able to say anything about it it has it it feels more like an outline of the couple things that we know from uh know about voodoo which is just zombies and rituals and haiti i mean it, it Knowing, uh, I, I I know very little about voodoo, and yet you know there there are no references to the loa or anything like that. There's there's a there, there's it's a very syncretic practice. There's no I don't know. It's just bare. It's it's a very shallow treatment of it, well, but one that doesn't even go into stereotypical and offensive. It's that right. Shallow. There's no like voodoo doll or anything like that. Well. I, well, I'll ask you a question then, because you obviously know more about voodoo than I do, because I don't know what a loa is. So enlighten enlighten me uh, and the listeners. <laughs> but I mean, this is uh, I, I I'm not exactly sure how one would categorize them. Something in the terms of like a spirit or a god or something like that. But again, I don't even know the know enough to categorize them. I just know they're they're an important. Uh, thing of that you're always praying to a lower or something or asking for intercession or i don't know again here is where if i were going to write this episode i would have done some research i my <laughs> well i i i'm sorry i've played gabe the first gabriel knight and watched uh the coven season of american horror story like this is my understanding i was going to say i think both of our both of our knowledge of voodoo comes from gabriel knight's sins of the father well uh <laughs> which you know that's not necessarily a problem i guess but hey well i okay but but again, you know, that's but here's a perfect example. That is a game that's about voodoo and we as, and from what I understand there was at least some research done on that even if it's a more exaggerated and supernatural portrayal of it. And that has a lot more flavor to it. This is a very all of the voodoo stuff in this episode feels very bland and flavorless. Yeah. There is no you know, there there is no real there there. It kind of exists. It sort of has some kind of thing but it just feels very airy well, it's to me right because because there is an element of white people writing about voodoo and and there is an element of voodoo yeah. is a a is characterized as quote unquote evil or a problem in american society because it is you know it is basically a religion that is practiced mostly by by black people um and I also think that there is a case to be made for okay. So, like, let's extrapolate this out for a moment. And I don't think that this episode, I don't think this episode's portrayal of voodoo is as offensive or stereotypical as it could have been. I have seen worse, um, certainly. But <laughs> I, I keep going back to the idea of what about an episode of a show made outside of a Christian context, an American context, 
that took place in a Catholic church and you know, the opening scene of the episode was communion and they were like, you know, the the wine actually turned into blood and the communion wafer actually turned into, into flesh. And like they had blood dripping down their face and they were chomping down on this, you know, like it's that kind of thing, right? Like, well, I have to say, like, I've seen plenty of stuff like, uh, you know, being into video games and anime, you see a lot of Japanese media that, for example, something like Evangelion, which deals with a lot of Christian symbolism in a very weird and off way and in many ways an inaccurate way, in many ways a uh, a, a way that I don't want to say misunderstands certain symbols but takes, it, takes a different interpretation because it's from outside there. I – now there is some – there is a lot to be said for it's harder to – uh, get offended at somebody when you're in the majority, and as much as Mike Pence desperately wants to believe otherwise, Christianity is not the m- minority in America, and so uh, a misinterpretation of Christianity doesn't hurt yeah. as much. Um, you know, get the fuck over it, people in the South. Um, but given given Voodoo's status as, I believe, a slave religion, that was uh, there is a bit more of a problem with a derisive interpretation of that. I I agree with you. And I and I also think that it's interesting that that in this episode of course it's it's all we, we you know we've talked a little bit about the fact that it is essentially the American military that is guarding yeah. um you know a bunch of refugees and it, it is the case where there's this episode seems a little conflicted about what it's trying to argue or or, or who the good guy and the bad guy quote unquote are because you know, you could say the Bouvet is the bad guy, but at the same time, uh, he is fighting back in the only way that he knows how. And it seems like the guards are mistreating the refugees pretty badly to the point where they had a riot and, a, and an eight-year-old boy died. I mean, we'll have to talk about Charles Bonaparte in a minute, but, you know, I don't know. Like, I think that you could make the argument that that this episode would have been stronger if they had a little bit more grayness to it. I think that it was trying too hard to make the general out to be the quote unquote bad guy of the episode. And, and certainly he's not great, but there's, there's no real indication about why he's doing this or what his inner life is like, or what his beliefs are. He just, he's portrayed as like a, just a guy that, that, is killing people to cover up something that is kind of nebulous He's... and 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 then you have that scene and that and I and I I'm glad you mentioned Deeper Throat because I also find his use in this episode to be particularly problematic because they are using the the you know periodic and infrequent appearances by a character that is usually used in a much more grave and serious fashion I think to shortcut in this episode and to make the audience feel like this is much more important than it is. I think it's a misuse <laughs> of that character. Yeah, no, it's it's a, hey, remember he exists when, for example, in the next episode, uh, which deals more with the meta plot, he could have fit in more naturally. Uh, but I did love Mulder's line, some people in Congress would be upset about this, which again, Trump's America is a very <laughs> depressing line. Uh, that, that, that said, when you do contrast Mulder and Deeper Throat, there has been a, uh, suggestion that Mulder is the naive one. He is the one who is not willing to cross certain lines and so still believes in the rule of law. Sure, sure. Well, so let's talk uh, about Charles Bonaparte then, because you mentioned the lay. I mean, is there an indication that he is one? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know well enough to know that. I mean, it's just, to me, it just seems like, well, certain weird things happen in voodoo. Children can become cats. 
Right, but he's dead. <laughs> well, some children can die and become cats. I mean, there is a, I don't there know. is a sort of like, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, a uh, uh, non-union <laughs> sixth sense feeling about this or something because... I mean, this came before the sixth sense, but the reveal that he was dead the whole time and he was actually a ghost is kind of like, what am I yeah. supposed to do with this information? Like, and what is his purpose in this episode? Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't it, do anything. Right, he doesn't do anything. I mean, I guess he sort of helps them a little bit in terms of making Mulder wonder about him turning into a cat and making him think about voodoo. I don't know that... Yeah, but Mulder would have thought about voodoo. Eventually. Mulder thinks about voodoo all of the time. Mulder thinks about voodoo when he's taking a shit and having sex. So yeah, I think that's true. No, 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 no. He thinks about poodoo at that point. <laughs> no, no. And that's how tuning in ended. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know because I, I don't know that I want to discount Bonaparte that quickly yet because he seems to be important for some reason. I mean, Bouvet is is essentially using the spirit of a dead child to gather materials that he needs to conduct his voodoo rituals, which seems problematic. I don't know that it's necessarily that Charles Bonaparte has a problem with it, but then also Charles Bonaparte is made out to be some sort of slick, fast talking kid and i don't know there's just weird racial implications there <laughs> that that just are sort of gross and he like hits on scully and it's just i, I just i don't know i just i mean i i had a scowl on my face every time that child was on that that's all i'll say about it it's maybe the character is fine maybe played by a better kid actor would not be have been so annoying but just he didn't really add anything and okay he was a cat the whole time i guess that's how this episode ended how mysterious that was my you know that was my reaction to him was this episode a sequel to the tos episode cat's paw it might not have been i will say that i did the only way that the only moment i did like charles bonaparte what, or Je- I keep calling him Charles Chester Bonaparte. Chester, who the fuck? Oh, Je- oh Chester the cat. Oh my god. Oh, we, we're <gasps> breaking this wide open now. Um, the only reason, the only moment that I actually appreciated that character is when he said he even made my fries disappear because we've all had that moment. You're eating fries and suddenly they're gone, and you're like, "How did this happen? Who did this to me?" No, I always have fries left over. You're you and I are very different people, Richard. I guess one thing that does legitimately annoy me is that Scully rips her hand on this, like, thorn thing that they put in her car. And number one, she doesn't... They just figure, oh, more scare tactics. But she doesn't keep it as evidence, which right. somebody put a... You know, the, somebody, whether or not it was a prank or something serious, that's kind of irrelevant. They did put something which injured her in their car. They did break into her car. And so... And then, you know, she has this weird itch on it, you know... A medical doctor does who knows that poison has been in play doesn't think, oh, I wonder if this had been coated with something. If, I, if I'm allergic to it, I should get this tested. You know, she just kind of goes with it. And I don't know. This is I, I, I notice when Mulder or Scully miss a very obvious thing like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, I think it has less to do with the fact that they're missing it and more to do with the fact that Scully is just badly written in this episode. Yeah. Like I, her char- is- yeah, her characterization in this in this episode, specifically with that uh, uh, in- injury she gets, just makes no sense. 
Yeah, and and it's obviously it you know it, they do that because they want to get to the crazy part where the man is coming out of her mouth or whatever and attacking her. But it's like of, of her hand, right? And that was a fucking fantastic scene. That was that was of. I mean, that was probably the best sequence in the episode. I I loved that bit. It was just from a creepy visual effects thing. Very well done. Yeah, no, it is very well done. But it's in service of what? Like, I guess yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll I'll go back to your line, right? Like. Did this episode work on It's Saturday Night and I'm watching The X-Files? I don't know that it did for me. Like, I, I think no. that it was a little too confusing. It was a little too airless. And certainly a couple of scenes were creepy and well done. But on the whole, I don't know that this episode is really... Like, it doesn't seem to be the case where it's really doing anything that interesting. And and even to the point where Mulder and Scully don't seem to really be uh, engaging with each other that much. I mean, we don't really get a lot of nice moments with them. Yeah. Yet. You know, Mulder's not really cracking a lot of jokes and stuff like that. So, And that being, uh, as we've said many times, one of the big reasons to watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, I think that's it for Fresh Bones. So let's move on to Colony, which is obviously a much more important episode. Interesting episode. Uh, better episode. Better episode. <laughs> well... I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily a standout meta plot episode in a way. Like, this is certainly another, you know, we get some more developments in the larger plot or whatever. And But to me, this particular episode it seemed more about reminding us that the meta plot exists, that there are these hybrids that, you know, is showing us certain imagery again, certainly getting us to the cliffhanger at the end, um... But I think this was just more – this seemed, felt like a recap episode in, in, in some ways and yet very well done in that it is all new stuff. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, I think – well, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you and I think that there will be a lot to talk about with Colony. But first off, we you know we should say that it is a two-parter and so – yeah, we're, you know, we we sort of this is all set up in a sense, and and the payoff is going to happen next yeah. week. So we don't really know where this is going to go. We don't know what this is in service of. And you're right; like certain moments in the episode definitely do feel like recaps or best of moments because you know the moment when Scully finds the uh, uh, clone bay or whatever in that warehouse yeah. is very very reminiscent of when Mulder finds the same kind of setup, the same kind of lab in the Erlenmeyer flask, the the first season finale, right? Like this is a this is a direct sort of continuation of that story in a way. And the yeah. idea about clones and the, the the idea well, okay, so let's go through the information that we have. And I think that this is going to be the moment when you know I've I've said to you before do not put too much stock into the the meta plot, the myth arc. It it kind of makes sense up to a certain point, but it never really hangs together all that yeah. well. Uh, and I think this episode may be the moment when it kind of starts to you start to see that a little bit because has was it revealed before that the clones were actually aliens? I don't remember. I don't think so. I think they were supposed to be some kind of alien-human hybrid was what my understanding of that. I mean, uh, so far, I'm really watching Metaplot episodes, and all I'm taking as canon is everything I'm just seeing at that particular moment, right? Like, I I don't necessarily—for example, what Deep Throat said about, 
you know, oh, all the governments know about this and I killed an alien and stuff. That doesn't that, – that is part of the meta plot, but I think this episode is OK if I jettison that because it doesn't really care about this at the moment. If it's slightly different – if it's a slightly different interpretation of what these clones are, um, it almost doesn't matter because – I, I, I think they're creepy enough as it is, and as long as I have something to do with aliens and Earth scientists are doing something with that, that's about all that I think matters for right okay. now. Okay. Well, I, 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 are they creepy, though? I think that the Doctor clones in this episode are, are sort of tragic in a way. I mean, I... Yeah, and, and it's given it's certainly giving... It, fe- it features both because these are disturbing creatures just from a biological standpoint, right? There is... You know the, the 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 thought of alien human hybrids created through experimentation—that is some classic body horror right there. So they bleed green, and it eats through anything, and it you know they dissolve themselves. That's classic body horror. But yeah, there is a tragicness of these. They seem to just want to live their lives. They are being hunted by right, something. Right, right. And and you know, I mean, we will talk about uh, you know Melissa in a minute, but or not Melissa. Um, I can't think. I remember her name now. <laughs> Samantha, thank Samantha? you. Melissa is Scully's sister. Um, that I don't know. I, I agree with you, but I also think. I mean, I don't know how much we actually want to talk about it because we don't know where this is going, right? And that's kind of the hard part about yeah. it is that you know we don't know what exactly these doctors were were doing. And you know, I think that that um, I forget who says it, but at one point they 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 have this line that gives us the name of the episode that the aliens are colonizing Earth, right? And it's like, well, what the hell does that mean? Uh, you know, we don't know. And we don't know if these are alien-human hybrids or if they are just yeah. alien clones. I mean, the the CIA agent who was obviously, a, a, you know, a shape-shifting bounty hunter or whatever, like, you know, he's not really up on the up and up. And he's giving – he's spinning out this, bu- this, frankly, bullshit story that I don't think that Mulder and Scully believe at all to their credit. I think that that is a good moment for them that they're, like, kind of, like – this doesn't. This sounds like a misdirection, but we're just not going to tell you it sounds like a misdirection because we don't want you to shoot us. Um, but at the same time, they do take him on to meet the other doctor, and they do willingly let him know where the one guy is hiding. So they, I do get the sense they at least partially I, I think, believe him. Yeah, I they think don't that s- they partially believe him. I think that the episode plays around very much with the idea of, of who they trust and when they trust them. Right. Because there's that great line in the episode where, you know, Scully says, well, I thought you didn't trust anyone. And Mulder says, well, I changed to trust everyone. Didn't yeah. I tell you, you know, and, and it is the case that, that I think that they can half trust Ambrose, the CIA agent without completely trusting him. I don't think they have any reason to doubt that he is not who he says he is. But at the same time, I think they can be a little skeptical about the story he's telling them because it may be half true. He may not be telling them everything. He may be keeping certain things away from them. But yeah. I don't think they fundamentally think he's a threat. Now, that is obviously a problem because he is a threat. But, you know, it, it is the case where I don't think they think he's going to be uh, killing anybody. Now, they're wrong, obviously, but. His name is a reference to the Alfred Hitchcock movie, Man Who Knew Too Much. So how did they not know <laughs> my Well, in the universe of the X-Files, Alfred Hitchcock never existed. <laughs> Oh my God! What a tragic universe. See, I, I, I. This is this this typical. It's difficult to talk about a two part episode because while I liked this episode, a lot of it is shrouded in, for example, the Samantha Mulder stuff. 
my interpretation of her scenes is going to hinge very much on whether it's revealed if, no, she is actually his sister. This actually did happen. She was returned a couple of years later and didn't realize until deep regression uh, hypnosis, and she was raised by by an alien couple. I mean, it's preposterous, but... Not so, not much more preposterous than anything that's happened in the show, and as equally preposterous as well. This is an alien imposter that is just pretending to get, a, you know, to get back with the Mulders for nefarious purposes. Yes, because I think that well, there's two things there. Number one, of course, is that you're right that it's preposterous, but is it preposterous for the universe of the X Files? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, the other, no, I, leaving aside the question of whether or not this is actually Samantha, whether or not this, or, or if it is Samantha and if this entire story is true or not, um, let's specifically focus on the emotional reality of the situation first, because I want to ask you, I mean, I, you know, Samantha is an outsized presence on the show. She has been mentioned before, not too much. I think the show uses her about as much as it should, but do you yeah. feel like a do you feel like this is too early for this and b do you think that the reactions that Mulder's parents and Mulder are having to this feel genuine it felt if this is an indeed Samantha I am going to be wondering about what happens to her because I am going to assume that she is now she doesn't exist for the next, you know, 10,000 seasons of the X-Files or whatever. She's not just going about her daily life in the background. I don't see that happening. And especially, I do, I I seem to remember, like, just one of those things you know about the X-Files by osmosis. I think, that I I assume they, I, I, I believe they deal with some of the Samantha stuff even in later seasons in a way which... So either she's going to get – if she's human, she's going to get captured by aliens again at the end of this episode or she is a, a, an imposter and the real Samantha is maybe out there somewhere and they're not sure and they won't find that again until season six or whatever. Um, that – it does feel early for her to be re- home and happy. So I think that's actually that. – that's an interesting um, question So so or an interesting way to look at it. So So essentially what you're saying is that you think that if – it is really Samantha that this is not satisfying because it seems much too early for that. So you think you think this is more of a case that this is a misdirection? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I'll go with that. As for the family's reaction, I mean, this is the first time we're seeing Mulder's parents, but they seem like strange people. They seem like strange people, and they also seem like strangers. Yeah. Well, they, his parents are divorced, and they don't really. We we don't. One assumes that the disappearance of their daughter probably caused a major rift in the relationship if it was not there. I mean, the death of a child is one of those things that uh, will t- will will split couples. Uh, assumedly, Mulder's. I, I what I'm assuming is that Mulder's dad left. He was raised by his mother, and then you know he left home to go to college and his and his career. So he's really not, and he doesn't really seem to call home very often. It it. He's never mentioned his parents before, so you know he's been maybe going for maybe going for very awkward holiday dinners, you know, and not even every year for the past, uh, you know, ten fifteen years. And so, yeah, he doesn't come home very often. His parents are not in the same room together very often, and you know, Samantha is someone that they haven't seen in years and are seeing in a very different context. And I don't know; it, they they don't seem like a very emotionally intimate family. 
I, yeah, definitely they're not emotionally intimate, and I don't think this is a family that is doing very well. Uh, I mean, I think you know, key to that, of course, is is when Mulder gets to the house in Martha's Vineyard and he goes to hug his father, and his father yeah. holds out his hand for a handshake. I mean, I think that tells you all you need to know about their relationship. And, I mean, contrasted to Scully's family, who, even though she and her father seem to have difficulty having a conversation together, they, at the end of Beyond the Sea, she said, well, I knew exactly what he was thinking. He was my dad. You know, she and her mother may have their problems, but they have very strong love for each other, and they at least want to be together as a family, even if they're not very good at it. Uh, Mulder's family doesn't seem like they they even know the first step or kind of really care. Well, I think, you know, in a large way, though, of course, you know, Mulder and Scully— are, are products of very different family dynamics, obviously, and that may seem a little facile. But you know, if you like you said, if you think about Scully's family, her 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 parents were close. Uh, they stayed together. They were they were married up until his her father's death. Uh, she has somewhat close relationships with her other siblings, uh, and compare that with with Boulder's family, which you know we don't know a lot about what their family was like before Samantha disappeared. But let's assume that they were as close as as Scully's family was. Um, after Samantha disappeared, her parents got divorced at some point. Uh, he was the product of a quote unquote broken home. Yeah. This was in the seventies when that was still something that was not exactly, um, you know, it was getting more acceptable, but, but it still was a little strange. Uh, uh, and so, and then also of course that, that he had no other siblings and, and, and he was an only child. So they were probably extremely protective of him in a way that, that Scully's parents may not have been of her. And, you know, yeah. when Samantha comes back in this episode, you know, Fox's, and I'm calling him Fox for a very particular reason, and, you know, reactions to her are very strange. I don't necessarily think they're they're strange or unearned. I don't know. I also don't think that that her his mother's reaction to Samantha is very odd, um, even though she's going to bed on your earrings, which is not a good idea, I don't think. But uh <laughs> But his father doesn't seem to be very interested in this whatsoever, and that strikes me as the most odd thing. Yeah, I, I mean, his father's dialogue is almost incoherent when he's talking. Um, I don't know if the implication was he's drunk, but... I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that he's supposed to be drunk. It just seems like maybe he's emotionally closed off, or maybe he's just not... I don't know, because I guess if you think about it, if, if if you extrapolate out from this episode that that when they got divorced, that he kind of went off and did his own thing and wasn't really yeah. involved in the family anymore, he is essentially suddenly being asked to go back into this family dynamic that he was not comfortable with and has not been in in a number yeah. of years. So that just could be it as well. Yeah, I, I, and let's face it, it is very difficult to... Hey, the last time you saw me, I was eight. You may have, you know, gotten used to the idea of me being disappeared. You probably figured deep down I was killed, you know, decades ago. And now here I am. I'm an adult woman that you know nothing about and have very little in common with. Having, you know, I'm your daughter. It it is an awkward situation, a difficult situation. And uh, now. The last question I'll ask about Samantha before we talk about something else is when Mulder puts his mother to bed and she asks him if she th- yeah. if he thinks that that's really her and Mulder says, I don't see who else it could be. Well, I, it's a very political answer, not, not necessarily the suavest because Mulder is not the most politically suave person out there, but I don't think he... He's being a little scully on this in a way. Uh, 
he, but he is, I think, very suspicious because I, I, I guess at the very least, if her story is true, that means that all of these years he's been investigating, she was, you know, in Scranton. <laughs> yeah, you know, she existed as a person. Why did he not figure this out? Why has why is this just happening now? Why 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 didn't he discover any clues? That's a little suspicious. It's not suspicious enough that he can go and say for a fact, you're not really Samantha, but he doesn't have any other answers. He doesn't necessarily know that there is a shape-shifting alien out there at that point. Yeah. Well, and I also think that that, you know, certainly part of that answer I th- I agree with all of that, but I think part of that answer it gives his mother is is to to assuage her and to make her feel better. Yeah. But I also think part of um for some reason it also it comes across to me as almost a sort of emotional exhaustion where he is not he he just does not have the mental or emotional or you know energy to doubt this story right now that that you know Mulder is someone who who spins out these wild theories and is very skeptical and doesn't trust anybody but at the end of the day when this woman comes back and says that she's his baby sister that disappeared when he was a kid he's going to go with it because he just doesn't want to entertain the possibility that it's not her which i think is really really yeah. sad in a way well, if it's not her, then – because at, le- at the very least, her story means that, yes, she had a year that was absolutely fucking horrible. That was the worst year anybody could have, but then found herself away to a home where she was at least raised and given a loving family and had a normal life. And if she was troubled as an adult, you know, she's managed to hypnosis her way into – figuring out and is now beginning to at least repair this broken part of her life. Like her story as she tells it is the best possible outcome for Samantha at this point. If it's not true then what then is Samantha still on the ship still being experimented on? Is she dead? What happened yeah. to her? I mean the 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 this is an answer that's okay and that's an answer and not having the answer may be worse. I think that's right. Well, maybe the last thing to talk about then before we wrap this episode up is Skinner because he's back we haven't seen him since yeah. the events of uh the x-files being closed and reopened um he Mulder seems very concerned by him because he thinks that they have a sort of understanding and skinner has walked back from that a little bit how are you feeling uh, about him well they haven't they have an understanding but he's still skinner and no matter what skinner does want a the X-Files being reopened doesn't mean that Mulder's, Mulder is boss. It means that Skinner will let him go on more things, but he still has a certain protocol he's got to follow, and Mulder is still not really following that protocol. And frankly, the thing remember the thing that finally broke the camel's back that caused Skinner to reopen the X-Files was realizing that everybody around him is lying to him and omitting things from him and that finally, all right, the only way to cut through this bullshit is to give Mulder the resources he needs. And now here's Mulder bullshitting him. Like, come on, dude, I'm playing fair with you. You've got to meet me halfway. I think Skinner still wants to be the boss. And uh, But oddly enough, I don't have a problem with him being the boss. I don't think so either because I think it's really important for the show to to have someone who who doesn't really – accept Mulder's bullshit sometimes. I think it's important to have someone who 
thinks that what the Mulder, the work that Mulder is doing is important, that he doesn't want to be, you know, Skinner doesn't want to be fucked with and Skinner doesn't want to be used, but Skinner also has his own opinions about things, his own agendas. And, you know, I don't think that he's a bad guy. I don't think that he's a, I don't think that he's using his agenda. His agenda is basically, I want to be a good FBI, you know, I want to be a good FBI assistant director and I want to my agents to solve crimes and protect people. I don't think Skinner has some sort of secret agenda like, you know, the cigarette smoking man or deeper or anybody like that. But it is the case in this episode where Mulder and Skinner still don't really know each other. And they don't have a good working relationship. Uh, you know, Mulder seems to think that Mulder is a little bit of a, a magical thinking person where he really looks at someone and says, OK, I want you to be this way. And so you are going to be this way. And then when the evidence is presented that the person is not reacting in the way that Mulder thinks this person should react, Mulder is incredulous and doesn't know what to do. And I actually kind of like that because Skinner seems to be the only person that can really shut Mulder up. Well, I think this is a nice contrast to because Scully uh, yells at Mulder at one point, basically saying, like, look, you need to. It's not she basically says it's not fair for him to drag her as far as this because she is willing to show him loyalty. But he is and she's willing to go off on his weird tangents and stuff. But he also needs to be fair to her and recognize that. She's going where he is. He needs to be responsible for her. In a way, Mulder has to give that same courtesy to Skinner because Skinner will give him this, but Mulder can't just go alone onto his half-cocked ideas if because he does need somebody sometimes to hold the reins. Uh, Scully even says in this episode, you've been manipulated before. Skinner knows he's been manipulated as well. The two of them have to kind of catch him a little bit. Um, I mean, we're doing Voyager on uh, Trekabout right now in a theme that recurs is Captain Janeway says, listen, I'm the captain. I'm the one who has the highest uh, overall view of this situation. I'm the one who ultimately has to authorize this. I wouldn't say Skinner is quite as much of an authority in Mulder's life as all of that, but there is an element of that. He is the one who is seeing the largest picture of Mm -hmm. this and who, if Mulder is going on a crazy uh, adventure he maybe does need somebody to say, no, you can't go on that. Or even worse, this is going to look really bad. So, you know, I mean, he does talk about the optics. A federal agent died as a result of Malter's actions. And Skinner is being forced to cover for him yeah. in that way. That isn't yeah, fair to yeah, Skinner. Yeah, I think all that's right. Well, it's weird. I guess I, I don't like authority, <laughs> but I like Skinner. So, huh. Well, Skinner is, you know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy to some degree. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll just have to find out where this goes next week. But uh, we kind of already have an indication of where it's going because, of course, the last thing maybe to, to mention is that you know yeah. the episode does start out uh, kind of invading a race. So, it, you know, we kind of know that something happens to Mulder in terms of getting uh, attacked by the alien stuff coming out of them, and his eyes are all fucked up, and he's dying, and and we don't know what you know. What, yeah. The next the next part of this story is going to be how does that happen, and how does Mulder get to that place, and so. We'll just have to see. Well, I, I have to say, I, I, the cliffhanger got me. I mean, they, I liked how they have all of this business where uh, they're having trouble getting to each other. They're just missing the phone calls. Um, you know, and, and part of it, you think from a 2017, ah, oh, it's funny. You know, they had to make, oh, my cell phone broke, and you know, he can't get another one at all. So that, so it's impossible to the the. 
the twist of having Scully have to deal with which Mulder is the real one is such an obvious one. And yet, like I said, it, it, it did it well enough that I was surprised by it. And now I have the wonder, how are they going to figure this out? Yeah. Cause I, I think that really encapsulates the X-Files when it's working at its best is that, yeah. or, or one of the ways it's working at its best is that when it takes a very sort of cliched situation like that and really makes it work though, and really knocks it out of the park. Yeah. It's a, I, I'm curious for next week. I guess my one last question is that, so this shape-shifting Terminator guy can change his face to be anything, right? Yeah. Why does he pick that face? Um, I think that that is very... Because would you? <laughs> that is very uh, uglist of you. I, I think it's fine that at the end he picks Mulder's face. All right, David Duchovny is a very handsome and charismatic fellow. Sure, it's like that's where he should have gone from the beginning. <laughs> I think they just wanted an actor that, that looked like he meant business. And this guy <laughs> certainly looks like he means business. What if he was actually like a loan shark or something who like came to the offices and they're like, you're perfect! Because they thought he was coming in for the audition and that's how his career changed. It's very possible. It's very possible. Well, he's an actor that's been in some other stuff too. So I, I think he t- tends to play those sorts of characters. So he just kind of looks yeah. like that. He he, lo- he oh. looks like what you think an alien bounty hunter would maybe look like, I guess. So there you go. Okay. All right, well, I think that does it for this episode of Tuning In. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of The X-Files we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash trekaboutshow, which also supports our other podcast, Trekabout. We released our episode on the Star Trek Voyager episodes, Life Signs and Investigations this week, so go over to Trekabout Show and check that out as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Tuning in show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we will find out what happens with Scully and Mulder, or maybe not Mulder, in that motel room. And that sounded a lot more sexy than I meant it to, and I apologize. We're talking about Endgame and Fearful Symmetry. Mac, why do you...